Am I Reister or am I wrong? With, of course, my main man, Ralph Amsden. Bunch of great things up for you guys today. Uh, Joe Biden loses the left. CPAC is an absolute disaster for perpetuating election fraud and a bunch of other funny things that you're going to hear as well. Zoltan Ibrahimovic is not good at commentating on LeBron James. He says LeBron James should shut up and dribble. President of NBA Top Shot. It is absolutely worse than the Nike sneakers app, and I found that out today when I tried to buy my first pack. Shaq has no idea what the names of the players in the NBA are. Does that mean that he knows what he's talking about at all? Besides about superstars. Ted Cruz thinks he's Richard Pryor, except except the being funny part. And of course, the best of social media. Am I Reister or am I wrong is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, fire. Facts only here. Make sure you check your feelings at the door before you even show up. No BS is allowed because we keep it 100. Make sure that you tell a friend about the podcast, share it, all those sorts of things, because we want you here. You know what I mean? Um, And also uh, listen to us as well on the Pac-12 Apostles podcast and me on Mad Dog Sports Radio, 10 p.m. Pacific, 1 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, and Fox Sports Radio, Sirius uh, 83, uh, Sundays, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific. So, Ralph, I I guess we'll start today because we usually start with our politics stuff in the beginning, but... Joe Biden lost the left today. Or at least that's what it felt like because it feels like a bunch of broken promises with no $15 minimum wage, stimulus checks haven't coming out, haven't come out yet. I mean, on one hand I'm like, okay, we need to be patient, but today felt like a loss. I mean, even though you can still get a win later, today felt like a loss for for him. I guess I, um, I don't know. So first of all, I don't know if Joe Biden ever had like the, the left left, the, the Bernie Sanders left and the people to the left of that. Um, they, I, I don't think he was ever the favorite for them or the sexy pick for, for, for them or anything like that. But you, you are absolutely right. Like there's some issues going on right now where both the right and the far left are looking at, at people who are kind of center and center left and screaming, I told you so, because, you know, we just had a, a, a military action. Um, and this is the first time in maybe in my lifetime that the candidate that was um, the candidate that wasn't necessarily positioning themselves as the peace candidate um was actually uh, elected usually any candidate in any election that says we're going to actually be more peaceful than the alternative is the one that gets elected george w bush said we're not going to do nation building we're not going to have like black hawk down events like like bill clinton did he got elected uh barack obama came in in 2008 and said hey you know hillary clinton voted for this war i didn't and Obama got the nomination and then ultimately won the election. And then you actually had Donald Trump uh, running four years ago against Hillary Clinton on the idea, whether it was true or not, that one, he didn't support the Iraq war. Which was and, not true. <laughs> 
Right. And two, in the primary, he actually called out the Bush family repeatedly for getting us mired in continuous wars. And then Trump ran against Biden by saying, you know, I'm actually the one that has kept you out of wars and will continue to keep you out of wars. And so, um, you know, you can you can parse how true any of that stuff is or not. But I will say it feels like this is the first time in my lifetime that we've elected the candidate that it was probably I don't know. I don't, I don't know how true this is. Probably more likely to go back to a certain way of doing things um, within uh, w- within our foreign relations with the Middle East. Even though Donald Trump absolutely, um, you know, he he killed a uh, an, an Iranian general general in a drone strike strike, which probably caused them to retaliate last year, which probably led to um, the, this latest uh, bombing from yep. the United States. I hate all of it. I hate every bit of it. I will I almost exclusively support any candidate. Um, I remember being 16 years old, being super excited about George W. Bush because he said we weren't going to be nation builders. And so, but I, I, no, no, go on. I just I get it. I get it that that this would be something that uh, that that people have a bad taste in their mouth about. Well, see, okay, the idea that you do have to do military action. I have no problem in general with military action. Like, I do believe that that's necessary at times. I don't believe that that should be your go to strategy. But sometimes sometimes you do have to take actions like that, which I don't have a problem with because sometimes they are severely necessary. So I don't count that as a loss for Biden, but I do think that on some of the other things like the $15 minimum wage, which is one of the things that he talked about, uh, Kamala Harris talked about that when you don't, if, if this isn't done soon, you know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't have to be done, you know, today they've only been in office, what, uh, 30, 34 days, 35 days. So it doesn't have to be done immediately, but it does need to be done expeditiously. You think there needs to be a, you think there needs to be a $15 an hour minimum wage? Even regardless, we're talking about Joe Biden, but I'm, I'm asking you because they, this essentially didn't pass this last week. Um, Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm from a small, you're out in California. I'm from a a county of 25,000 people. I don't think, it's not apples to apples. Yeah. So a $15 minimum wage here, d- dude, we would actually pay our employees less at the Amazon company. So if that were, if we paid that, so for, for us, it has no impact on us because that's, that's what you pay people here in Cali- in California. But, um, and we actually pay above the minimum wage. So there on, on some level, like, I know the cost of living is different in different states, but if you like the idea that hardworking people can make it is not true, right? Because how many right. times have you ever known anybody that had a working class family or whatever that had two jobs that was thriving? No, usually because you're you're working two jobs because you're either on the verge of doing the opposite of thriving. You're you're on the verge of the wheels falling Correct. off. Correct. Or you're working two jobs because of uh, of of 
of you have like one or two things that you feel like you need to be able to pay off or get rid of so that you can just live, not even comfortably, but just live. Yeah. And that's where the idea that hard work then um, gets you to where you need to be either in this country or in life. That's not true. It's not true. Like fundamentally it's not. So I do think that we do have to take that into account because, because people are out there working two jobs. They're doing all this and they're not necessarily being able to live not even a comfortable life, but a life that's above the poverty line. And I believe like fundamentally that if you do work hard, that you show up to work, you do your job, you work full time because, uh, because those are the things that are looked upon as honorable in, in this country. Like it's honorable to put in a hard day's work. It's in the Bible. It talks about all these things. It's honorable. So yes, you should be able to live above the poverty line. Even, even if it's just bare, like you should be able to afford food, water, like not necessarily a new car, any of like just from working, being a tax paying productive citizen, you should be able to like live in the world on some level. It doesn't mean that you can take vacations. It doesn't mean you can do all these things, but you should not be, if, if, if money is managed efficiently should not be you know, like wondering where your next meal is going to come from. Your kids shouldn't be, you know, having food insecurity. That's just my belief. Right. You should. Okay. So you're not the it, common sense would say that your rent or your mortgage shouldn't be 25% uh, more than 25% of your income. Right. Yeah. At least that's what they take into consideration are rental applications and stuff like that. Been hearing it my entire life that that any time that you go above that level, you're doing something dangerous financially um, because you're supposed to be saving X amount. Um, if you're religious, you're supposed to be tithing X amount. Um, you got you got cell phone bills. You got um, it, it, internet now is completely necessary. You know, you, you got food, you got taxes, you got all these other things. And if you think about it, like Costco just announced that they're going $16 an hour um, starting wage for everybody, which puts you at about $32,000 a year. Well, that means that you shouldn't, if you are the, the, the primary breadwinner of your house in that situation, that you shouldn't be paying more than $8,000 um, in in annual rent, which is $667 a month. Who yeah. has a rent that is $667 a month? Exactly. You, nobody do like you have to have like four roommates to be able to right. do it. And, and that doesn't mean that you should have a luxury apartment or anything like, like that, but you should be able to live above the poverty line. So do you think that Joe Biden, that this not happening right now is going to hurt him. And then you add in the fact that the stimulus checks haven't come out yet. Do you believe that this is hurting him? 
Well, absolutely. Absolutely. Because all you can do is disillusion people from here on out. They were already fed up. You know, I think most of the people that voted for Joe Biden were probably voting against Donald Trump. But you had a lot of people who were voting on policy, yeah. who, who, who believe that uh, the, there needs to be a federally mandated wage with which to, to build off of so that people can have a living wage. And for them, it's more about the income disparity. The rich keep getting richer. Um, you know, they're not thinking of the small business owner. They're thinking of massive um corporations that get these huge tax cuts that then turn around and and, and pay their uh, employees uh, a wage in which they can't even afford to pay rent. And then you, you couple that with the fact that we went from a $2,000 stimulus check. Uh, and there are a lot of clips of videos out there of them saying that you, you elect two more Democrats into the Senate in Georgia, these $2,000 checks are going to go out right away. And now we're still haggling over a, a $1,400 check going out. Um, and then, you know, they had talked about possibly canceling between ten dollars and $50,000 in student loan debt. Nothing has come of that. I know it's only been two months, but nothing has come of that. It's been a month and a half. It's been 35 yep. days. Like, like, that's the thing about it is that instead of like Biden could wipe it out with a stroke of a pen. But I don't right. think that that is the way to do it. I do think that it needs. And I to don't either. I don't either. I it need there needs to be like our uh, the legislative branch of our government needs to serve some purpose. Yeah. Yeah, other uh, otherwise what are they there for? And then you right. then you have a king instead of a you know like having the checks and balances. So the real damage to Biden is this narrative that he's keeping the kids in cages because that was something that all Democrats ran against was that the family separation policy of Stephen Miller's in the Trump administration was that, you know, kids were getting locked up at, at the border. Uh, and now there's this belief that uh, the Biden administration is in some way continuing that just under a different name. Yeah. And here is the press secretary being asked about that. We spoke yesterday about immigration and this facility, HHS facility in Carrizo Springs, Texas for migrant children. And you said it is not kids in cages. We've seen some photos now of containers. Is there a better description? Is it kids in containers instead of kids in cages? What is the, the White House's description of this facility? Well, let me let me give a broader description of what's happening here. We have a number of unaccompanied minors, children who are coming into the country without their families. What we are not doing, what the last administration did, was separate those kids, rip them from the arms of their parents at the border. We are not doing that. That is immoral, and that is not the approach of this administration. These kids, we have a couple of options. We can send them back home and do a dangerous journey back. We are not doing that either. That is also putting them at risk. We can quickly transfer them from CBP to these HHS-run facilities, that's one option. Or we can put them with families and sponsors without any vetting. There were some problems that that, that that process ran into as well. We've chosen the middle option. And these HHS facilities, this is one of them you're referring to, we had to expand and open additional facilities because there was not enough space in the existing facilities and if we were to abide by COVID protocols. That's Okay, so that's what she had to say about that. And my take was, it's been 35 days, you know, so that clearly there are some things being done differently. It's better, but I don't think it's good enough yet. 
And so the the answer is, is that if you look three months from now and it's still the same situation, then yeah, I think you can be upset about it. But like you, you have a problem. You're going about fixing a problem with immigration and then the separating of the kids. Some of the kids are coming around, uh, over un, um, unaccompanied. Should they have sponsor families that could go, go wrong. So I, I think that there's never a perfect scenario. Okay, so here's Washington Post's defense of the Biden administration. They say that uh, whether you call them cages or chain link partitions or anything else, that's not the situation at the border facility the Biden administration is reactivating. Carrizo has many more facilities for those staying there to the point where it costs $775 per day per child, nor is the administration forcing these children to be separated from their parents. And so that's what they're trying to say is this is this is a holding facility for processing that does not require the separation of parent from from child and that they are spending money to make sure that these people during their stay are uh, having all of their 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 needs met. But at this. So if I'm if I'm playing devil's advocate. If I'm playing devil's advocate or I'm a Republican wanting to kind of damage the cohesiveness of the Democratic coalition, I'm, of course, going to say this is more of the same. If I'm on the uh, if 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 I'm trying to look at it from a, a, a way of being discerning and understanding the circumstances, I might say that the issue wasn't necessarily that there were kids in cages. It's that they were there having been separated from their families due to a policy that was instituted to be intentionally cruel to dissuade people from trying to claim um, asylum. It was meant to dissuade people from trying to claim asylum who were saying that they were coming from uh, dangerous circumstances. It wasn't just that they were catching people who were illegal immigrants at the border and then separating the families, it would be that they would show up and say, I need to come to America because of gang violence uh, where I'm from and they're after me and I'm here with my son and my daughter, I'm a single mom. And then all of a sudden the, the, your, the, the kids are kept in a facility and the parent is not. And so, you know, but it's not about being discerning. It's about scoring points. Um, when, when you're trying to, when you're trying to pull. Yeah, he's, he's right. Yeah. I I 100% agree with that. Um, and speaking of scoring points, uh, CPAC has started CPAC, the, uh, the conservative political action committee conference that's down in Orlando. It has started and, like it's frustrating for me, frustrating for me. And we talked about CPAC on the last episode, but the thing that's frustrating for me is that the country, like there's no way to get better when we're still doing the same things. It's the same problem that we have in that there are lies being perpetuated. Hypocrisy stands, you know, primary and also the fact that, and this is not just a, 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 a right wing issue. This is on the left as well. There, there's so much hypocrisy in politics. People are more concerned about winning 
than they are doing the right thing. But I found, um, I found it actually pretty funny. <laughs> some of the, some of the stuff and also sad. Some of the stuff that was going on at CPAC, but I would guess I would say though, that the beginning of it, the beginning of it for me had to be the, um, the opening address because there are people who are upset that they have to wear, um, that they have to wear masks at CPAC. Oh, oh. actually b b before we even get to that, there were some election claims and here is kind of where it started. Well, obviously, how many people here have lost followers on social media recently? Oh. How many have lost 10,000 plus followers on social oh. media? I know both KT and I have experienced that uh, when the purge happened on Twitter. And the same thing happens on Facebook. So already complaining about a purge on Twitter. And I'm like, yo. I have lost thousands of Twitter followers in a day before because Twitter get, gets rid of bots. They get rid of uh, users who who uh, don't do anything or aren't participating in it anymore. And I'm just like, yo, like, can can we chill, please? Like, can we? Please they did chill? Twitter. Twitter did purge, but I mean. I don't know if it's anything to gripe about or not. I mean, if, if that's something that you hold dear, your follower count, then, you know, I'm sure it means something to you, but Twitter purged anybody who was propagating or posting links from QAnon stuff yep. or that had like the three stars in their, um, in their Twitter name or posted the, where one, where we go, one, we all go yeah. all hashtag anybody who was posting anything like that. And it was a, truckload of people anybody who was posting anything like that got axed by twitter and it just so happens that those people based on their conspiracy theory supported a certain candidate and anybody who said anything positive about that candidate so that's how you end up losing thousands of followers is twitter went all gung-ho on getting QAnon completely off the platform um, after a really long time of letting it spread on their platform, so they don't deserve a pat on the back or anything. But when you say, hey, you know, I got uh, 10,000 followers taken from me by these social media tech giants who just want to make sure that my message doesn't get out there, you got to be careful what you're saying because you're, you're, you're pushing the implication that you helped foment the exact type of beliefs that led to a uh, bridge being... Um, a, a, a bridge and an armed standoff in uh, in Arizona, a pizza joint getting shot up, and the Capitol getting stormed. Yep. Um, and here is their disclaimer because they were perpetuating the election fraud. Um, the right side who was broadcasting and other people, networks that were broadcasting CPAC, they did similar things to this as well. Three different states. 42,000 votes, 45,000 votes, something like that. And we would have had an electoral college uh, vote of 269 to 269. There's a lot of Back sensitive then, topics Republicans that are being talked about right now. We want everyone to do your own research in regards to what they're talking about in this discussion right now, uh, anything with the election or anything like that. So mm -hmm. uh, it's important to do your own research. I know there's several outlets here that are able to completely uh, broadcast all of this content 
uh, for you with any disclaimer at all, but unfortunately here at Right Side Broadcasting, we must jump in here and put a small disclosure that we want you to do your own research, and it's very important that we do that. Yeah, absolutely. Just quickly, although we are broadcasting these speakers, we want to provide you with that. It does not mean that we necessarily believe or support all of their beliefs of every single speak speaker talking today. So make sure that you research everything. You talk to your healthcare physicians, whether it's regarding COVID or medical information, and if it's um, election related, just look look it up, look everything up, and we. Are there is a problem. If you at your conference that is supposed to have America and the best interests uh, at heart, if you have to put out a disclaimer that says, listen, listen, we don't necessarily believe everything. Do your own research, fact check, because we, we get it. We know some of these things are BS. <laughs> And, but we're going to play them for you because we know that you want to hear them, but we don't want to get sued for a billion dollars. So we're going to say that we don't agree. We're just giving the outlet. We're just giving the access. So how much responsibility is it to the media companies when their whole goal is to sell advertisements and to get viewers if that's what the viewers want to, to hear, despite what the truth is and if it can be damaging. I don't know, man. Sidney Powell got sued for $1.3 billion. Mike Lindell got sued for $1.3 billion. I'm, I'm jumping in. I'm saying on this show, on this show, just for us, just for us, do your own research on any <laughs> secondary... Uh, on us commentating on anybody else talking about anything due to the election, the opinions expressed by other people who we're expressing opinions about don't necessarily reflect our opinions. Uh, please don't sue us. We didn't, it's not our fault. We didn't do anything. Um, there was no mass election fraud propagated by voting machines from Venezuela. Um, exactly, bro. Exactly. Um, but there was more from C CPAC. Um, you had one of the people who uh, is clearly one of the top people or because he's on stage giving this met message because it's in Florida. So it's a wild, wild west out there. But in terms of COVID protocols, because people are pretending like COVID just disappeared. No, it's still here. Yes, the numbers are going down, it's particularly in some some states. But the vaccines are rolling out. Yes, but geez Louise, like that's not act like it's not there. And so the hotel that they're holding it at requires masks. So of course they have to tell people to wear masks. At this CPAC to talk about the Bill of Rights. But I also want to mention one thing, and I know this might sound like a little bit of a downer, but we also believe in property rights, and this is a private hotel, and we believe in the rule of law, so we need to comply with the, the laws of this county that we're in. Um, but a private hotel, just like your house, gets to set its own rules. Carly, our CPAC director. Well, as Dan mentioned, we are in a private facility, um, and we do want to be respectful of the um, ordinances that they have as their private property. So please, everyone, when you're in the ballroom, when you're seated, you should still be wearing a mask. So if everybody can go ahead, work on that. I know, I, I know it's, it's not the most fun, 
you, you have the right. So they're not happy about wearing masks. <laughs> Go figure. Go oh, freaking man. figure. And then they even try to explain it to them in terms that they can understand. You believe in property rights. This is a private business. They can do what they want. But then you have Josh Howley talking about the senator talking about, oh, that you need to break up Google, break up Facebook, break up all these things. And I'm like, that sounds so un-American to me. Like, how are we going to break up private businesses? Everybody is a lobbyist for their own self-interest. Everybody is a lobbyist for their own self-interest. And if your self-interest doesn't match up with your espoused principles, your self-interest is almost always going to win out. And so you might believe in the uh, private property owner's rights, but if they infringe on your rights, you're going to lobby for your own self-interest. And is in their self-interest to not want to wear a mask? Is it in the, is it in the interest of the public good? Um, probably not <laughs> in that circumstance. And so I don't, I, mean, I don't care how Zane, I, I talked on our last episode about how I feel about CPAC and, and the, uh, the whole idea of even needing uh, an Amway-like convention in the city of Amway, by the way, uh, even needing an Amway-like convention to keep people excited about this stuff bothers me a little bit. But to go out there and to to put yourself at risk, I don't think any of these people, whether I agree with what they're doing or not, I don't want them to get COVID. I don't want yep. them to get sick. I don't want them to be inconvenienced. I don't want their families to have to go through the process of not even being able to bury them because guess who else has to exercise private property rights, these funeral homes. Yep. And they're like, it's just, it, the whole thing is super messy. I want all these people to be safe. I want all these people to thrive. Um, and, uh, and, and the idea that they would push back or they would boo the idea that they have to wear mask on somebody else's property when it's literally for their own good to keep them safe. Um, it, it's just, I, I, it's too much, man. It's too much for my brain to comprehend. Yep. And all right. You're going to enjoy this one then. Uh, because Ted Cruz, he was at CPAC and he had the audacity. Tell, go, go ahead. Tell him, tell him the joke. Cause he thought he was Richard Pryor and um yeah go go ahead tell him bro all right background obviously in, in case you live under a rock ted cruz senator from texas texas froze over ted cruz went to cancun um it's only a few days since that happened and uh and so he's on stage at cpac and he makes a joke he makes a joke about going to cancun and and it, like you said, it's like Richard Pryor. Like Richard Pryor is the one who actually like popularized taking your own personal embarrassment and using it for comedy. Obviously, Ted Cruz is not a stand-up comedian; he's a politician. But he went for it, George. And I need you to tell me because I think this is the funniest thing in the world. Is this funny? Is it objectively funny? As someone who appreciates comedy, okay. I can see how it could be con con conveyed as funny because I'm like, all right, yeah, I get it. I get it. But, but I think that my disdain for Ted Cruz runs so deep that I couldn't even find the humor because I, I saw the attempt, but I feel like he's such a coward that I can't 
like it, it's hard for me to find the uh, joke because it's like, all right, yes, yeah, of course you ran your ass. Like I, I find the humor in the fact that uh, he does. He's got a problem with people coming to come seek refuge in the United States from their problems and their issues. But then soon as he had an issue, he ran his ass to Mexico to go get refuge. I thought that now that part, I thought that was funny. So, yeah. Yeah. But you you, you, you're going to fire up the clip. Cause I, (laughs) I want the listeners to be able to judge. Oh, I don't, I, I I didn't have the uh, clip of that one, but I did have this clip from, from Ted Cruz though. In the immortal words of William Wallace, freedom! In case you missed it, listen to the exact words that Ted Cruz says. In the immortal words of William Wallace, freedom! And then he does like a walk-off. Like, it's like, in the immortal words, it's word. Single word. Did William Wallace invent freedom? Do we know if William Wallace actually shouted freedom? Thank you. He's he's that? talking about I in the he's like in the immortal words of William Wallace in Braveheart as uh Mel Gibson portrayed him. Freedom! Like what? Yeah, I don't know. Here's the deal though, with I appreciate I I appreciate the attempt. Like to me, it was the same as like, let's say that a kicker misses a kick wide left to lose the Super Bowl, And then they're brave enough to get up in front of the press at uh, um, right after the game. And then they look down at the microphone that they're supposed to be answering questions um, into, and they scoot it a little closer to them. And they say like, Oh, that was, that was a little bit wide left. And then they smirk at the media and it was like, and, and like in, in that circumstance and that fake hypothetical circumstance I invented, I'd be crying laughing Yeah, because it's I like, wow, they really, they really tried to make light of something that is still incredibly serious, incredibly fresh that a lot of people are supremely offended by. <laughs> and he really went out there just a couple of days afterward and said, Orlando's not as nice as Cancun. Yeah, and, I just, and I'm oh. sitting there like, brunch, <laughs> If I, yeah, so I wasn't feeling it at all. Um, yeah, it it landed flat for me. For me, it was like rim shot, rim shot. All right, cool, cool, cool guy. Thanks a lot, Ted Cruz, for at least <laughs> the entertainment. Though, um, the next thing up is NBA Top Shot. We started talking about... What is NBA Top Shot, George? What is it? NBA Top Shot, if you're watching, then uh, here's a video of what NBA Top Shot is. NBA Top Shot is like a digital... It is a digital trading card. So on the screen, I have a clip of Steph Curry hitting a three-point shot. And Ralph is having trouble understanding like why this is a thing. So we both collected trading cards as a, as a kid. I loved yeah. it. It took me a minute to get it. So the, the cool part about having a digital trading card is, is that you get to show it off. 
Like you're like, this is mine. I own it. Right. Mind you, other people can, can find your card on the internet. Like if you have a regular physical baseball card, if you have a Babe Ruth, if you have a, you know, a Jackie Robinson, if you have whoever, if you have that, then you can take a picture and be like, look, I got it. But no, this allows you to be like, no, I pay 400 bucks for this just to be like, you ain't up on this. Like, it's a way for you to be flashy with stuff that you have. And it's caught on. It's actually turned into a currency because it's based upon blockchain technology. So it's basically run on a Bitcoin like or your, your Ethereum, like on a cryptocurrency like platforms and all that and all it is is just a way to keep it's just a new way to keep track of things which is more secure i mean that's literally all it is it's it's a way to organize things so you can say point um george gave ralph or number 2387 gave 6382 uh a certain uh, a, a certain number of uh a certain amount of money that this transaction took place. It just marks it down in a ledger. It's like an infinite ledger. Okay. So uh, let me see if I get this because I, I don't hate the idea of digital trading cards, especially limited run. I mean, no corners are getting frayed on a digital trading exactly. card. Exactly. So I, I don't mind that, but like, so let's say that Malik monk comes off the bench, has a tip dunk. Right. And then what? Then what? Like, okay. NBA Top Shot releases a highlight of the Malik Monk tip dunk and then people bid on it to purchase no, it? No, 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 no. So, okay. So here's the whole premise for today is that the NBA Top Shot is worse than the Nike sneakers app. Because, so I went on and they have these pack drops, like a digital trading card, like you open up a pack. Oh, so the highlights are in the pack. Correct. So you just got to buy a pack. Correct. So, and if you buy a pack, then it's just like a regular trading card set. Like you don't know what's inside. You're excited to see what's in there too. Sometimes there's rare stuff. Sometimes you get all common cards, right? And... But today they had, and if you, if anybody on here has used the NB, the Nike sneakers app and you've had a Saturday, not Saturday, Saturday, S-A-D-D-E-R-D-A-Y, because you've had a Saturday than the rest, because you've got up at seven o'clock in the morning on the West Coast, get up early on a Saturday to make sure to, to try to bid on a pair of shoes. So, so you're essentially entering a raffle for a pair of shoes that you're not going to get. Like if you win a lottery, like I've probably tried to get 50 pairs of shoes over there. I think I've gotten two, I'm like two, like I'm like one for 25 average. It, it's atrocious dude. And it's frustrating because it'll be something that you really want. And the bots are actually taking them, them up. The bots are doing it. Okay, so, and so, then and then they're putting them up on sale on uh, StockX, which is essentially what happens here. So, uh, so you buy the trading card packs, and then there's a marketplace 
that people can then buy, buy and sell the cards. And the cards become, depending on, like, they're all serial numbered. So the lower, the lower the serial number, the better. But also, if it also aligns with the player's number, right? So if you are, what number is Steph, Steph Curry? I forgot. 30? Yeah. So num- number one is going to be the best number, right? But then like two, so like uh, this, this card of Steph Curry that I, that I show, I think this card is going for like a hundred thousand dollars. Um, but if, and that's for number uh, one or two in the set. But as soon as you get down to like number 312, it's only worth like a thousand bucks. Only. Okay. Yeah. But number 30 may be more valuable than number 22 because that's his uniform number. So it's just a marketplace where people can trade it. But the, the, the part that sucks is just that when I went on to go buy a pack today, I knew a rare pack was coming out today. I got an email about it. So I went on, it was supposed to come out yesterday morning at 9 AM. Then they pushed it back to noon. Then it wasn't until this morning, this morning I go in and as soon as you go on, so they, they create a, a line essentially, right? Uh, they, they start a queue and then you're assigned allegedly a random number. But as soon as the queue opened up, I put my number in immediately. Soon, as soon as it opened up. And then when they tell you your place in line, mind you, for the packs today, there were 11,163 or something like that given out packs that you could buy. They were 99 bucks each. The, the, the rest of them are usually like nine bucks, 14 bucks or something like that. I was number 89,954 in line for 11,000. So needless to say, I did not get a pack today, but the more depressing part was that I was number 89,000. I'm not laughing at you. I'm 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 laughing uh, at you. No, I'm laughing at you. I, yes, I just you, I it, because it's it is a confluence of things that would make you very upset. Yes, because I was like, I'm not an eighty nine thousand type of dude. Like I don't come in eighty nine thousand. You know I mean like it, it? It really insulted me. I was like, the number you assigned me was eighty nine thousand. Like. Like I ain't an eighty nine thousand percentile type type of guy. Like it I, sounds I felt like so disrespected. What the funniest thing is after we had that whole discussion on Facebook Marketplace and how and how I have been a terrible um, on our last episode we talked about Facebook Marketplace and how I'm a terrible seller of things because I underprice things and then create uh, this demand issue which creates frustration for me. It sounds like the way that you're describing it and the way that you're frustrated with both the sneakers app and the uh, and the NBA Top Shot pack releases, it sounds like somebody put me in charge of this process. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, did I design NBA Top Shot in my sleep and I just don't remember? Exactly, dude, exactly. Um, yeah, dude, it, it was a disaster. It was, it's a, it's a disaster that makes people sad all the time, but it creates exclusivity. It makes you want it. It makes you so happy when you actually do accomplish it. So yeah, so I, I, I get it. I just need some, okay. This is like the Ted Lasso thing. I need some exclusive access to this just so I can, you know, 
Yeah, exactly. It's all like, about who you know. I'm not going to, and mind you, I still do get hookups on sneakers and stuff like that, but I don't want to harass people all the time because sometimes I need mul- multiple pair for the for the family or something, and you know, but it, it, so you can't call your hookups every single time. So I need a like a direct line. So my one of my next goals is to position myself to get a Nike deal. So I can get all the sneakers that I want, like I used to be able to get when I was an NFL player instead of just sometimes now. Like the the access means more than the money to me. You got to go the Bagley route. You got to start your own. You got your son is super talented. You got to start your own either seven on seven uh, team and or travel basketball team with with uh, your son as the cornerstone of it. And then you mm. got to get that apparel deal for the team. Name, image, but and really, too. But really, the apparel deal is for you. Because I remember um, the uh, when um, Marvin Bagley left Hillcrest, Marvin Bagley III, Marvin Bagley Jr., his dad, launched, I think it was either Phoenix Family or Team Bagley or something like that. And they had their own team, and they got a Nike deal out of – that because Nike was really hoping to to land Marvin Bagley the third, and so that you got to do something like that, man. And I, I know that, but then you'll have all, all the people talking about how you're just using your kid for access to uh, <laughs> um, to Nike. But you've been pretty upfront with it. Oh, you said I've been upfront with it. <laughs> you talked about it now. You talked about it now. I yeah, I, I'm I'm not mad at you know. Listen, I'm not going to pimp my, my uh, kid out. So, but if there is an opportunity for us to, to, <laughs> to make sure our, we're positioned correctly, positioned correctly, do you have to use the proper terminology for name, image, and likeness? Then I, I shall do so. Okay. So here's uh here's my question. If, uh, if Nike, if, if Nike came to you and said, you could have first run at anything that we drop, but it has to come in Oregon state colors. I'd be fine with that. As, as long as it you'd be fine say, with that, as long as it doesn't say Oregon state on the side, I'm having like yeah. a giant, giant beaver teeth on the front Mm-mm. of everything. No, hell no. But, but if that were like a special line of things, yeah, I, w- I would take that too. You take it all in candy corn colors. Absolutely. Dude. As long as it does not, as long as be- nobody else has it. Yes, as long as nobody else has it. You are the embodiment of the Shell Silverstein uh, poem. Have you ever heard that poem, the 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 Lord's Prayer, the Shell Silverstein style? Mm-mm. Um, the uh, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep, and uh, if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my toys to break, so none of the other kids can play with them. <laughs> No, I don't, after after I die, everybody can have them. But, okay, but I just want to be—I like to be looked at like I have exclusive things. I mean, I'm, that's just how I, how I I like having exclusive, limited run things. My it bothers the hell out of Denisha because I, dude, like, and so like she will at times buy the cheapest thing. And me, I'm like, I don't have the most, I don't have to have the most expensive thing, but I do like to have a quality thing so I don't have to buy it twice. So I'll pay more, but not necessarily the most expensive. 
But then also, if it's something exclusive and nobody else can get it and it's dope as hell. See, it can't just be exclusive and whack. Like, it's got to be exclusive. So, like, it can't be a DeLorean. No. Hell no. Okay. I don't want a DeLorean. I but- do have a friend with two DeLoreans. Two DeLoreans. <laughs> yeah. See, no, nobody wants a DeLorean. Like, if, you had, if I had a DeLorean in, like, 1989, that would have been pimping. But now, okay. okay, okay. For for instance, like, um, I like I like cars, right? One of the things that, like, having a basic model car, like, I don't like that. I don't like it. Like, I need a like a. You need that. You need that le tap to the back of whatever you bought. Yeah, or like I needed to be like for for instance, one of the first cars I bought when I was in the league was I had a CLS sixty three. I couldn't just have a CLS. I needed the sixty three because I wanted the additional horsepower. It was an AMG, and then on top of that, I got it Rentec. So then you know, so I could be like, nah, nah, man, I got seven hundred under uh, here. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay, so I'm looking. I'm looking this up now. I'm looking this up now. All right. So it's a, but you would never, so you're one of those people that you wouldn't just call it a Mercedes. Cause even people like me have a Mercedes. You got to say the actual, you got to say that if, the actual oh, okay, series. Okay. okay. A- ask me what kind of car I-, I have. What kind of car do you have, George? CLS 63. Okay. Okay. And meanwhile, if you were to ask me that before I got uh carjacked and we talked about that on the last episode, I just would have said Mercedes because it was a C230 and there was nothing special about it. <laughs> See, exactly. It had it had it been a CLS63 yeah. that was Rentec, you you probably would have said CLS63. Right. No, I got uh, that C230 with the with the with the the tint peeling edition. Yeah. See, and I like the fact that I get um like that the that the movie um screeners are coming out. So I get them sent to the house or I can watch them digitally on my Apple TV. I like that sort of thing. That's just me. So when you go to a restaurant, do you, are you more likely to get the special? Cause they're only making it that day. No, doesn't matter what it is. Mm -mm, No, we get the special. No, 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 no. But you're more likely to go to a restaurant where like, Hey, you got to have a reservation. Not even that you have, but okay. The food quality matters, right? Like I, I don't want to just go to a place that's exclusive because just because it's exclusive, I need the food to be phenomenal, right? You need your fish to be hand caught, like a bear, like someone snatched it, <laughs> snatched the salmon while I was swimming upstream. No, I no no no, I just want the food to be good, like it to taste good, to be high quality, and it just like have a flavor explosion in my mouth. Okay, I got you. No, I, so, I got it. You're not, you're but, not, you're, you're not bougie. Like you just like things that are, are good. Yeah. But, but though <laughs> I see, see, here's the part about but, that, that I do like, right. Okay. If that restaurant, nobody can get into, right. Okay. If we're like, yo, I want to go, go to that rest restaurant. And I'm like, all right, I, I think I can get us in. That matters to me. All right. Okay. Yeah. Um, And I, and I personally, I experience a similar amount of joy 
if I say like, hey, I know somebody who got into that restaurant. Oh, <laughs> like that's like the same level of a See, dude, dude, I because, will make your story my story and I will pretend it happened to me dude, because I cannot do there's and, and this started when I when I started playing in the league. I know it because one of my pet peeves is waiting in line at restaurants like 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 on a wait list. No, like I want to yeah. walk up and go in. I don't care how crowded it is. I don't care how many people are there. I'm sorry. Like, you know, like I, I don't believe in fairness when it, when, when it comes to that. I can never do that anyway, because I only ever go to eat something when I am hungry. So if I look <laughs> and there's an hour line and then I know it's going to be 40 minutes before the food hits the table after we get sat, I don't care if it's at red lobster, I'm turning around and go home. Yeah. Wait, what do you wait, 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 wait. You said I don't care if it's red lobster. Did did you say red lobster? Like it was I like, did. I said no. I said like I don't care. I don't care if it's like a fancy restaurant it's or it's lobster. a red lobster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh, you 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 were saying fancy restaurant or red lobster, or were yeah, you I'm calling saying, red lobster fancy? <laughs> no, no. Okay. As a kid, as I would a kid, agree with this. One hundred percent like lobster is in the name the first time i ever had a cheddar bay biscuit i was like oh my god like yeah nobody else on my block has probably ever had this ever uh no red lobster felt like luxury before i knew what that was all i'm saying is i wouldn't wait at red lobster i wouldn't wait at a at a, at a michelin five star like if it, it but a michelin five star restaurant wouldn't have a situation where you show up and get put on a wait list like you'd have to have a time yeah it, exactly um, so, uh, now it is time for the best of social media, which is our most fun time of the uh, show. We will start today with TNT, with TNT, the, uh, their folks with, you know, Shaq, Kenny, Ernie and Charles Barkley and Charles Barkley had this to say about the NBA. Oh, wait, no, 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 this isn't the clip. This is a clip about Shaq. They're playing a game called uh, where Shaq tries to guess the first name of people in the NBA. They actually give him the last names and Shaq can't do it. Let's play Shaq's yeah. first name game. Who's ready to go? I hope you are, big fella. What's his first name? Keep your eyes on the screen, okay? What he called, what the, for the, what for the Charlotte called? Hornets, number six in the league in three-point percentage. Thaddeus Monk. Monk is his last name. What is his first name? Oh my gosh. The Shaq not watch college basketball. Eli Monk. No. <laughs> it would be Malik. Oh, oh Malik. Malik. Monk, yeah. man. Malik Monk. You know, you know the, change yeah, the name of this bad. game to what is mama name him? Yeah. Eli Monk. <laughs> what is mama name him? Yeah, right, this Monk. one okay. should be a little more up your alley. Okay. Because of your Come relationship on, with the Sacramento Kings. Do, do you know oh, his, his number two in field goal percentage? Oh, yeah, he played for feet. His, his last name mom. is Mom. His first name is Sherlock. What up? What up, Holmes? John. Duh. Rashawn Holmes. Oh, oh, that was sorry, real close. Right on the tip of your tongue. Oh, man, what number is he in what? He's not in a category. He's not in the top 20, though. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's number two in field goal percentage. Oh, he's number two. Okay. And number seven in blocks. Okay. Oh, here we move. This is a youngster. Oh, Lord. Plays Come in on. the big city of New York oh, for the Knicks. He's having Come a great, he's having a great year. year. Number seven right in behind free throw. Yes. Number seven in free he's throw. Right behind him. He's, he's the second best rookie in the league. His last name is quickly. 
his first name is. They don't like playing bookies up there. Gerard. Gerard. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's so close. Uh, it's Emmanuel quickly. Actually, it's part of my jet account. So that kept on for a couple more dudes. Shaq got none of them right until the very end, and Ernie accuses him, one of the producers, of whispering in Shaq's ear. So I, you know, I don't want to be the funny daddy guy because that, that was hilarious. That was hilarious. But I also find it problematic that an analyst doesn't know the names of people in the NBA that he's covering, especially guys who get significant playing time. Like these, the, the guys on there aren't like the eighth, aren't like the 12th dude who doesn't get any minutes. This would be like the equivalent of, you know, or like if you're a Lakers fan, like not knowing who of him, not knowing who actually this would be even worse than him, not knowing who Horton Tucker is on the Lakers. Or it would be the equivalent of him. Oh, this would be the equivalent of him not knowing who Alex Caruso is. Maybe. I don't know, man. Okay. So would you say that uh, let's somebody, let's say that somebody is the principal of a high school. Right. And that high school has 500 students. Okay. That's just like my kid's school right now. Okay. So this Uh, is a realistic scenario. Right. So do you think that that principal needs to know every single kid's name to be able to run the school correctly or to talk about how, how a school should run? No. I, okay. I see a lot of people upset about this and almost all of them are people who religiously follow the NBA. People who religiously follow the NBA are fed up with the TNT halftime show. And I'm talking like, not people who just follow it for entertainment, but people who are religious about like, like stats. P1. They watch fan-made YouTube breakdowns of what the, the team's doing. They subscribe to three different sub stacks written by different members of the, of the fan community about all the different trade scenarios of the team. Those people who, who the NBA is like their personality do not like that Shaq and Charles because Kenny Smith's up on his stuff, but they don't like that Shaq and Charles bring the old man, get off my lawn persona and also don't know the names of the players that they cover. That drives them nuts. However, the people who are really only invested in the NBA for the sake of entertainment and who only really follow their team and, uh, and, and, and watch the games, but don't get on and read all the latest updates or, or follow a, a whole Twitter community of basketball fans. They think this stuff is hilarious. It is hilarious, but it's also brings into question. How good is your analysis? But then it's also is what makes the show great is that Charles Barkley says that I guarantee that the Portland Trailblazers are going to beat the Lakers in the playoffs last year. Like his, his, his ignorance about the, the thing actually makes it that much better. But then it also brings in the question how much he actually knows if you can't put these things together. The point of this show to me is to entertain in a league that is the most entertaining. 
I don't have a single issue with it, but I get it. I get it. I get that when I see people frustrated with Shaq or Barkley, because they do the same thing with Barkley at the beginning of every year, they ask if he knows their full name and he never does. Um, this does not bother me in the slightest, but when I see somebody bothered by it, I am able to empathize with their point because these are people who, and, and even you kind of leaned that way a little bit of like, Hey, this is kind of disrespectful to Very. all of the people out there who are making this, um, their, their living who are, who are all about covering this sport, but that's not who these guys are. You can't question the credentials of Charles Barkley and Shaq because they are probably the number one center of our entire lifetime and arguably, arguably the number one power forward of our lifetime. Oh, that's not argue. Dude, stop. Tim, Timothy Duncan. Tim stop. Duncan. You're right. You're no, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, I thought but, we were getting ready to get in the NBA fight again. I was like, come on, come on, Ralph. No, no. Again, I'm a Suns fan. After what Tim Duncan did to us for over a decade, I don't. I, I concede. I'm done, Uncle. <laughs> All right. Next thing up, we had this man or this woman turned fifty dollars into a hundred and twenty-eight thousand. A hundred into when I told Ralph that he was like, "What? I don't know. I don't understand." And if you're not a better Ralph, can you tell people how difficult that this is? Okay, so this is a par this is a parlay bet. Every single bet on here is conditional. And um this is weird because it's a five team parlay, but each proposition is multi-pronged. So this isn't just a five team parlay. Uh this is technically a a 10 bet or nine bet parlay. No, it looks like 10. Yes. So 10 things all have to go perfectly in order for this bet to hit. Um, That's the attractiveness of parlays is because I think like if you parlay one bet with another and they're just regular odds. So let's say all the only thing on here was the Atlanta Hawks winning and the game with the Celtics going over 222 and a half, then that bet would pay 2.6 plus your money back. So it would be pay 2.6 times a typical win plus your money back. Uh, and a three-team parlay goes up for six to one. I think a four-team is like 10 to one or something like that. And it just escalates over time. The most I've ever hit is I hit a six once. And I've hit a five a couple of times. But never, never like this. Never 10. It's a five-team parlay and each one had two conditions. And so $50 turned into, into I mean... Wow. Uh, a pretty much a, a year, two years salary for some people. Dude, that, okay. I, I'm the guy, I don't make three team, three bet parlays. I'm like eight, nine, ten, like just excessive, just, just excessive. And it's low risk, very, very, very high reward. And I guess that's the way I live live my life on some level. <laughs> but, uh, um, so, okay, so I have hit, I've never hit an entire ticket, but I have hit seven out of eight, probably 10 times. I've hit eight out of nine, probably say nine out of 10. And it's always for me the last damn game. 
the last game, somebody throws up a half-court shot behind the back, foul, missed free throw, like something stupid. Where, And I forget about it until I'm like seven or eight in, and I'm like, oh, my God, I got a shot. Yeah. I got a shot. And and for me, the only time I really bet like that is if I'm in Vegas yep. or something when around some sort of event like March Madness or football or, you know, like going towards a weekend during football season or basketball season. I'm like, oh, this will be fun. I'll spend 50 bucks on like three bets. And then knowing that I'm probably going to lose them, but it, it's fun when you do get close though. And you're like, oh, and the fact that you missed one, that's the thing that drives you back. Yeah. I, the closest I've ever gotten, I was in Vegas. I was six for six going into the seventh game. And I want to say maybe my timelines are off here because you know I'm down in Phoenix. So Vegas is pretty accessible. We go every once in a while. And, uh, and I, I remember it was over the course of a weekend and I want to say bowl games and, and NFL playoffs were going on at the same time. And one of the bets I hit, I believe was university of Utah over Virginia tech. So this had to be like 2005 ish and everything came down to bet number seven. And I had the Colts beating the chargers in the playoffs. And I remember like getting ready to walk to the counter in uh, Jay-Z's 4040 club um, to, to cash in my parlay bet, which would have given me like 1600 bucks. And Darren Sproles broke off some long run. Chargers kicked a field goal to win, I think. And it felt like I lost all 1600. <laughs> the truth is it was a $20 bet. Dude, you recounting this like LeBron James at a press conference, recount, recounting every single moment of a game is that that was phenomenal uh the next thing up on social media is this the 11th anniversary or the sixth anniversary of this of the uh of the video i'm gonna show is it the llamas nope uh oh ninth anniversary ninth okay. anniversary of, okay. of this beautiful video strike to claim it a strike to claim it And that's Pete Weber, one of the best bowlers of all time, but absolutely the most recognizable bowler of all time. I appreciated Pete Weber for his brand because I don't think that Pete's like that in real, real life. I doubt it even. But I do believe that he understood, hold up, if I'm outlandish, I'm going to get some attention as a bowler. That means I can make more money, more opportunities, so I'm rolling it and I think he leaned all the way into it and he wrote it out for as long as it was going to roll. I'd watch him when he was on. I mean, I, I, I bought into it. It's what I wish baseball had. Thank like, you. I, I, I don't understand. Like imagine Mike man, Trout with a personality, right? Then I, I would be able to pick him out of a lineup. Um, but at this point I can, I, I can, I can pick Pete Weber out of a lineup, not Mike Trout. Uh, so here's the deal. If it, you, it's funny that a manager can run out, get in an umpire's face, scream, turn purple, have spittle on the edge of his mouth, kick dirt, take the base, throw it, uh, and then and then get uh, run from the game, and uh, 
And then the commentators would be like, that's baseball. But one person, <laughs> one person flips a bat after hitting a ball 600 feet. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what are you doing here? Dude, right, right, right. right. Re- remember last year, the, uh, the Padres manager chastised Tatis after he hit a home run because they were up like a million and nothing. Right. And he was like, why did he hit a home run? Bro, because hitting home runs are hard. That's why he got $340 million. And I double dog dare him to try to say something to Tatis about hitting a home run now. Yeah, he's going to have earplugs made of gold rubies. Just he won't be able to hear anything the manager says, but I, I just look, look, man, I, I love that clip. The phrase, who do you think you are? I am, or who you think you are? I am, whichever one he said has got to be one of the greatest celebratory phrases in the history of sports. Who you think you are? I am my God. I don't even know who that was directed to. I don't think it was directed to anybody in particular. It was just like the most bravado I've ever seen come out of it. Like imagine somebody shouting that after hitting a home run. Yeah, that's some like, Jose B- B- Batista level. Just screaming, like shouting at the pitcher, who you think you are, I am. Or even after a strikeout, as somebody trudges back to the dugout, that's what you're yelling after them. Oh, Oh, that would make baseball great, dude. That's the thing that would make baseball great. Um, We have two more things left in social media. So, number one, there's a segment of the population that says that these two things that I'm going to show you are the best day ever in Twitter history. I'm not buying it. Do you guys remember this black, blue, white, gold dress? First of all, Ralph, what color is this dress? Blue and black. It's blue and black. But people are like, no, it's white and gold. And I'm like, uh, I can see how you would say that. It Like when you see the exposure of it, like I, maybe people's eyes, I can see that. But it's just an overexposure of the colors. The dress is black and blue. But anyways... People thought that that was the best day on Twitter because this happened as well. The day the llamas got out in Arizona. Llamas just running down the street. People trying to catch the llamas. Okay, that's that's cute, but Ralph had an explanation. Why don't I think that this is the greatest day on Twitter? Because like like the llamas thing is cool, but that like I didn't even remember it happened. Right. So the 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 llama dress day is near universally remembered as Twitter's most fun day, but. <laughs> But you don't necessarily agree with that being Twitter's most fun day because you happen to be a black person. (laughs) (laughs) Am I wrong? I I think you're right. But but go ahead and finish explaining your theory on why I don't believe that this is the greatest day on Twitter. Because the greatest day on Twitter for 
for black people or people who are aware of black Twitter, the greatest day on Twitter happens once every 11 days. <laughs> Dude, I literally say <laughs> once, it feels like once every week or two weeks. Oh my God, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. At least once I'm every crying. two weeks. At oh. least, bro. Because black Twitter is constant comedy. Like, there's nothing that you can do. Think of, think about this. In the last six months, we we had when all when the Clippers lost in the playoffs. Oh my God, that day was one of the greatest Twitter days. It was Twitter meltdown. the The day pandemic P started trending, that was gold. Uh, December 21st when black people were supposed to get their powers when <laughs> when what was it the sun or the moon and Jupiter were lined up that day was awesome I mean like there's always something fantastic on black Twitter and like every day it seems Temecula. like Temecula oh, is oh my god yes yeah what okay if anybody doesn't remember, this happened in like 2015, I think it was. Uh, the because I was working at the Beast, doing a radio show with Brett Winterbull, and there was the meet me. So two Kobe fans, no, it was either a Kobe fan and a non-Kobe fan, were got in a fight on Twitter about Kobe, and then one of the guys was like, "Fine, meet me in Temecula," and so. <laughs> He drove to Temecula to try to fight this guy, and it became a whole social media thing about like, okay, fine, M meet me in Temecula. So black Black Twitter has you know like holidays every like its greatness every two weeks. Waiting for Justine, what's her name's plane to land in Africa? Oh, yeah. While her plane was in the air, I'm, yeah. I remember. I just I've. I, oh, yeah, after so, after she made those comments and she yeah. didn't know she didn't know that she was getting roasted. <laughs> oh, yeah. So so that's the reason why. Um, yeah. So Black Twitter is absolutely awesome. And so yeah. So like the, the the llama dress day, like that caused a lot of discussion, even in the, even in the Black community. We we talked about it in my house, family, everybody. What oh, it did help. Like there was one white llama and one black llama running around. <laughs> and there's a, of course, of course that it was, it, yeah, no, there's never been, there's never been a trending topic or a national moment that, uh, that like Black Twitter didn't have its own take on in and it didn't make the entire experience 20,000 times better. Yep. 100%. And the last thing that we have up is, okay, I noticed this, that when I don't like somebody, I've, I start to get, I feel like disrespectful about their name, where I'm like, ah, I don't care. I don't care about this guy's name, where like, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it correctly, but I'm a professional. So I will Right, try. that's why you can't say Tyler Shuck. Ty Tyler Shug. Uh, uh, I noticed this and I noticed that I noticed this when you were talking about the shug shuck thing, because it wasn't intentional at first, but then after I knew I, I couldn't say it right anyway. So Zoltan Ibrahimovic, uh, who is a soccer player, 
who, when he first came to L.A. to play for LAFC, I think it was, uh, they were like, yo, he always talks in third person where he's like, yo, why do you talk in third person? And it's like that old beer commercial. He's like, so, <clears throat> so Kelly Robinson can give himself the proper distance and objectivity to appreciate his greatness. And then, so they asked him, um, what was he going to be okay being in, in LA being that LeBron is the King. And he was like, LeBron can be the King. I am, I am the, I am a God. <laughs> so like, this is Zoltan. And so I just thought it, so that's, he's got a cool pers personality, all that stuff, you know, but he took it way too far here. He said, I don't like when people have, I don't like when people, when they have some kind of status and they do politics at the same time as what they are doing. He was talking about LeBron James and other high profile athletes saying that they should just stick to sports. And this made me hate Zoltan because you know, I am not the shut up and dribble dude. I still think that his per personality is fun. And like, I'm temporarily putting him on the list because yeah, you can say something out of turn. But the idea that athletes should shut up and dribble is stupid to me because somebody who's giving their putting over a thousand kids through school, helping start a school. Well, I'm talking about a thousand kids through college on his own dime, putting a uh, starting, helping start a school and partially fund it. Then. Uh, doing great things out in the community, helping people vote, helping felons be able to uh, vote because they've come out and they are, you know, they've paid their, their time. They're trying to get back into the community, doing all the great things his foundation does to then tell somebody, and mind you, there are political things that, that go into all those things to say that somebody should shut up and dribble in that way. Just is just, it is maddening to me. Like, like that's this made me madder than it did when uh that little kid was talking bad to Cam. I, I hate this with the and power you've been mad of twice a, this week. I hate right. this with the power of a thousand sons. Uh it that part of it doesn't bother me at all. LeBron's a big boy, he can handle himself. Um I think it it is a legitimate representation of a legitimate view of athletes um in that i watch sports for the sports and and i think that it's okay to think like that but it's also like this is not an airport you don't have to announce your departure type rules you know you don't i if taco bell introduced cheeseburgers i wouldn't walk into taco bell and be like i'm not here for the cheeseburgers i would just <laughs> order i would just order a taco yeah. Like it, it's that simple. It's the most simple thing in the entire world. My issue with what he said actually uh, didn't have anything to do with LeBron because here's, here's his, here's his quote that everybody's talking about. He's talking about LeBron. He says he is phenomenal in what he's doing, but I don't like when people have some kind of status and they do politics. I play football because I'm the best in playing football. That no, is the you're first not. You're right. That is the first mistake people do when they become famous and they come in a certain status. Stay out of it. Just do what you're best at because it doesn't look good. Okay. 
there's a, a bunch of different issues that people could take with it. Here's my issue, my primary issue. He didn't say shut up and dribble as much as he said, leave politics to the politicians. And my biggest issue with politics is that it doesn't involve enough people who actually function in the real world. Thank I think you. that there should be more people involved in politics. How are we going to know what's best for farmers unless farmers are contributing citizens to the political discourse? How are we going to know what's best for uh, people who work in tech unless people who work in tech are involved in the political process? How are we going to know what's best for uh, radio and the FCC uh, making rules for what's good for radio unless people who are involved in radio are involved in the political process? The entire point of politics in America in the first place was a bunch of people who actually did a job and had a personality and a life outside politics came together for the greater good. The, the entire idea that someone is a politician just to be a politician is weird. One of the biggest criticisms of Joe Biden uh, that I feel like has some merit is he's a lifelong public servant. There's nothing wrong with being a lifelong public servant. It's certainly commendable in some way, shape, or form. But the idea that unless you're constantly out there meeting people and you're completely so filled with empathy that you can take their problems and make them your problems, that's really difficult for most people. Most people only know what they know, right? Yep. I would not... If I was to all of a sudden be president tomorrow, um, I think we've established that uh, that there are certain things <laughs> throughout the course of this podcast. There are certain things and certain topics that I don't think I'd be able to speak on or be helpful with. So you would need a broad coalition of people. And sports is such an enormous part of our culture that I feel better when people in sports are actually engaged citizens. Yes, I feel a lot like better about it. I do too, because it's like to whom much is given, much is required. If you don't speak up and help other people, when you've been given this platform, this money, this opportunity, you are a loser. Especially at an over 40% tax rate. Speak up, man. Yes. <laughs> like Exactly, dude. I, I am speaking, and there's no way you're going to shut me up, especially when I'm like, I'm a tax-paying citizen, and I'm a high-tax-paying citizen. I'll say whatever the hell I want to say. And then the, the people who scream about athletes should, they oh, we don't want to hear what they have to say. They sit up there and put freaking Ted Nugent, freaking Kid Rock, uh, all these, uh, you know, old-ass actors on the stage. Oh, let's hear what you have to say. But Le LeBron, we don't want to hear you. You sit there and entertain us, boy. That that's what it feels like. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, oh, oh. So you care about what this doctor says. You care about what this mu musician says. You care about what all these people who are not quote unquote politicians care or Can scholars we, yeah. in the idea have to say. But as soon as an athlete does it, it's a, what it sounds like is, shut up, boy. We don't want to hear you. Can we? I just wish that we could at least get to the point where, when somebody of note and somebody famous disagrees with us politically, that we don't discount their skill set outside of politics. Because I've been seeing a lot of that lately from from all sides. Like people think that LeBron is not top three all time because he speaks on politics. No, those two things are completely not related at all. People think that John Voight's a bad actor because he supported Trump. No. He's, like he's a good okay actor, but he's... yeah are you telling me that you went to the movie varsity blues and left the theater not wanting to fist fight john voight 
like that dude makes you feel things yes. when he is on the screen. He's very good at what he does. And there, there's all sorts of things like that that, that absolutely drive me nuts. Um, but I, I'm cool. Like, speak up. Ted, Ted, Ted Nugent being belligerent on some topics doesn't mean he can't absolutely rip on the guitar. Yep. Like, come on, man. Like, let's just let's just let's just address things for what they are. If you disagree with somebody's opinion on a topic and it's been elevated because of their elevated status in society, address the issue. If you got an issue with LeBron uh, over what what he chooses to speak up on and stay silent on, then you know it doesn't mean that he's not good at basketball. You so are. that. Yeah, no, you, you're 100 percent right. You guys, thank you guys for listening to the Pac-12 Apostles. <laughs> what? <laughs> thank you guys for listening to the Reister and Raw podcast. I'm George Reister. He is Ralph Amson. You guys make sure you share the feed, tell a friend about it. Um, yeah. Peace out. Catch you guys on Monday. <laughs>